Hello and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today I have Matt Johnson, co-star and director of Blackberry, and Laura Moss, writer and director of Birth slash Rebirth. Both movies are exceptional in their own way. Blackberry is a hilarious comedy that transitions to a tragedy. The plot and style between both films are wildly different. Blackberry is about the innovation of the phone that created the texting market. It's rise and downfall, while Birth slash Rebirth is a horror film that acts more as a unique drama. In Birth slash Rebirth, a morgue technician attempts to reanimate the corpse of a little girl with the help of her mother. How they keep the dead alive is gruesome and fascinating. So, having said that, I'm going to start my first interview with Matt Johnson, the director and co-star of Blackberry. So, I have Matt Johnson here, the uh, star and director of Blackberry. Now... Before I get into anything, I'll just ask the obvious question. What drew you into the actual story of the Blackberry, which was sort of like the, the thing that invented the text message? The, 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 so you got a text message? No, the thing that invented sort uh, of the oh, text messages. <laughs> right. The, the thing that got me into it was the fact that nobody really knew anything about it while at the same time knowing it as a product. And I thought this was a good opportunity to tell a story that people would maybe be interested in, but... Uh, but, but be able to like do something that's more in my style. Um, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, I thought that there was going to be an opportunity to like hide some jokes in, oh. a, in a corporate movie. Well, there was that. There was that great bit you had from Arthur C. Clarke in the beginning, where he he makes a point where he says, "We've reached a point where we're no longer commuting, but communicating." Now, have we reached that point now where we're texting each other instead of actually calling each other or, you know, being one-on-one -on -one together? Well, the point that he was making, I think, is that the city itself would no longer be a relevant place to go to work because any work you could do could be done remotely. And in very, in very real terms, he, he was exactly correct, but not for the reasons I think he thought. And it's that so many people are re remote working now. Um, yeah, uh, look at what COVID did. And yeah. now, it's, now it's kind of shifted towards that. But, uh, but yeah, no, he was quite prescient. Yeah, Arthur, Arthur really saw the future. Yeah, he really did. So has the tectonic shift of the smartphone intellectualized or stupefied the mass population? Or is it sort of like in between? You know, I think it's really, really good for uh, the people who use it and use it to augment what they're doing. And I think it's really, really bad for the people who get uh, c constantly distracted by it. And, yeah. I, and I wish I wasn't one of the people who got distracted. I don't have any social media, but I do wind up like using my phone to do all kinds of nonsense. <laughs> just looking up just random videos and stuff No, like playing Marvel here. Snap. <laughs> I don't know that one, which, which one's Marvel it's, Snap? It's amazing. Is it? It's design, the guy who designed uh, Hearthstone. Actually, he probably didn't design it. He was probably just one of the one of the designers at Hearthstone. Went on, got a great license, made a made a really great game. He's a little fuck. Everybody's jealous of him. Mark Rosewater wants to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Um, so, what's your go-to comfort food film when things don't work out? Because I know they had that screening of Raiders of the Lost Ark when they thought that their company wasn't getting bought out. Ah, you know. I actually don't rewatch movies, um, but I guess the movie I've seen the most is the animated Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. um, but I, I would just watch that thousands of times as a child. 
So I, I don't actually um, seek refuge in films anymore because I find them all so stressful. When I watch movies now, I like, I get too involved. Like, it's not a source of confidence. Does it revolve, does it like, remove, like kind of remind you of work and it's like, oh, how did they get that shot? That, 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 kind of. Yeah. Kind of. It's like I, uh, I love getting lost in movies, but typically I can only get lost in a movie I've never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at one point, uh, Jim, um, I want to call him ball silly like everybody else did, <laughs> but Basile, I will, I will say. How, how, how did his last name go? Balsily. Balsily, okay. Yeah. Oh, so almost was like Balsily. Yeah. He says that the greater the sacrifice one makes, the greater the reward, or something along that nature. Do yes. you believe he was right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that uh, it is a deep truth that sacrificing things, whatever they are, uh, will lead to great things for you. Now, you need to pick the right sacrifice, mm. right? Cain made the wrong sacrifices, and God did not honor him. Abel was sacrificing, I think, good shit. It might have been meat. I think that might have been the difference. I, I, I think I, when I was reading Chester Brown's Jesus Wept at the Feet of Mary, I think the point that he makes is that Cain was sacrificing vegetables and Abel sacrificed a lamb. Mm. And that's why God was like, sick, I'm loving the lamb, but these veggies are fit for the pit. Is this movie based on real people? I think it is because it says what happens to them later. Did you consult with them before making the film? Or? No, I didn't talk with any of them, and they didn't know we were making the movie until it was done. But the book that we optioned did have a lot of interviews with them, so they were involved in a sense. Oh, wow. So, um... Have they ever approached you about it afterwards? Or? Oh, only Jim. He came to a screening in Toronto yeah. uh, just a few <laughs> weeks ago, and he had the time of his life. <laughs> he loved seeing himself kind of being... I, 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 I think he really got what the movie was doing, and yeah. uh, all I can say about Jim is that he is a total gentleman, and, huh. uh, and he, was, he was the most gracious guy considering the circumstances and uh, yeah he's got a fan for life in me since the social network there's been like a lot of rise in films about large companies their founders and their cultural influence you know because after that movie you got the founder which was about you know Ray Kroc and then you got Tetris which was about kind of getting behind the Iron Curtain and bringing a video game from Russia to the rest of the world what do you think about these stories? Because this relates to something where another huge technical company has released something that the mass is like. What is it about those stories that are so captivating, you think? I'm not sure. Look, audiences decide what they like. I think uh, people are under the false assumption that uh, like an amorphous Hollywood is deciding what, uh, what people will enjoy. But the fact is the audience votes with their feet. So... I imagine that people are interested in these stories because in some ways these are like these techno titans, like they're doing almost magical things, like they're transforming culture in a way that we deal with all the time. Tele television shows like that one about Uber, which, which I think is called Super Pumped, uh, which, I, which I didn't get to see. Uh, like, I think we're fascinated by these stories because they're with us every day. We use smartphones every day. We use Uber every day, right? People play video games every day. And so it, 
who knows, maybe it's us trying to understand ourselves. So how did you, you, the movie has a really nice fast pace to it. How did you establish sort of the structure and the pacing of the picture? That just comes from uh, Kurt, the editor, and I wanting to cut out everything bad. And when you cut out everything bad, the movie goes pretty quick. Oh, wow. Did yeah. you have a lot of stuff that was bad in there that you had Tons. to... Tons. <laughs> so much you have no idea. Yeah. Was there a lot of improv in the film? Yeah, there's, I think, more than... Uh, well, I, I was going to say more than people would think, but it depends on what audience we're talking about. Way less than my other films. Way less. But more than you would assume. A lot of my dialogue is improvised, and when I would improvise dialogue, Glenn and Jay would go off script, too. And all the engineers, the, like the young people who are around us, are improvising everything. And the movie has a very uh, sort of pseudo-documentary handheld sort of feel to it. What, what kind of inspired you to make that look for the picture? Uh, the films that inspired us were uh, D.A. Pennybaker documentaries. Um, we were stealing a lot from those. Specifically, The War Room was a big, big inspiration. Oh, yeah. um, but then there's also a film called Company about a Sondheim play uh, or musical that... Uh, that was that just used close-ups so well, and, and we really wanted to take a lot from that. Um, and then, in terms of like what we used it for, then the aesthetics was that we were trying to make the audience feel like they were there in the room with these characters. Okay, with that, the next interview is with Laura Moss, the writer and director of Birth slash Rebirth. <laughs> All right. So, Laura Moss, director, writer of Birth, Rebirth. Uh, first off, this was an intense film to sit through. And I have to say, just like during that first sequence, the opening is absolutely just like traumatizing. Was that hard to get through shooting that? Oh, man, it was so delightful to get through shooting that, frankly. Uh, you know, it was it was something that we planned meticulously with my with Lisa Forst, my special effects artist and my medical advisor, Emily Ryan. Uh, the medical realism was really important for us to get right in the film. And so, um, you know, there were pitfalls. It was an expensive build to do a, a full cadaver that was anatomically correct. But uh, we also couldn't afford legs. So we had to shoot around. The missing legs, <laughs> as you can tell, it's, oh, there's always limitations in filmmaking. Um, but yeah, I have to say, I was really nervous about how that would look and turn out. And so, honestly, when we got to set and it and it looked the way it did, it was really a delight. Uh, now, uh, to give the audience a little bit of an idea of what this movie's about, this is a film about a person who works in the morgue department who has to reanimate the corpse of a little girl of uh, somebody that was lost. Uh, despite being labeled as a horror film, this is very much a tale about someone who wants to bring their child back. How did you find the balance in sort of like horror and drama and what it's really trying to say? Because horror's really been getting a nice elevation like within this last year. Like, there's a lot more thoughtful movies, more than just, like... Because the little girl could have gone around and gone on a killing spree and, you know, <laughs> turned into Chucky or something like that in the movie, and that's totally not the case. How did you find that balance when you were making this movie? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was really in looking at films that inspired me that defied genre categorization. So, you know, Dead Ringers, the the Cronenberg film, is a big influence, which which has horror elements, but 
is really a, a character drama with a lot of humor in it. Um, you know, and I think that that was something that that really watching that film felt like a North Star for me. Um, Todd Haynes is safe is another kind of like medical thriller, but it's really contained and really disciplined. So I was looking at those kinds of films as as examples of what have gone before that that created this sense of tension and dread without relying on jump scares. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I, I got to say, like, jump scares is one of the things I hate the most, not only because it makes me like scream in the middle of the audience, <laughs> but also because it's, it's just it's, it's a cheap method to try to find real scares from anyone, you know, because the real scare is really what's going on with these characters and with bringing this little girl back. You know, when it comes to Judy and I hope I'm saying her last name correctly, is it Reese? Reyes. Reyes. OK. Mm -hmm. When it comes to her character, she's mostly known for her comedic role in Scrubs and having her play someone in the medical profession again. How did you come about uh, getting her in the film, which she was fantastic, by the way? I think she's amazing and she's also a pleasure to work with. Um, I had her in mind from inception, from writing the film. And it was really because I saw her in this 2013 drama called Gun Hill Road. So mm -hmm. I too really knew her primarily as, you know, Carla from Scrubs. Yeah. Um, but I saw her tremendous dramatic chops in that film and I knew she could do it. And I was excited to sort of cast against type in that way and, and give Judy the opportunity to do, to do a horror film, which uh, to my knowledge, she's never done. Yeah. Now, who, who did you get for the score? Because they did a fantastic job where you kind of had this synthetic thing going on, you know, sort of like Blade Runner-esque, but it's going along with this horror film. Who did you get for that? And how did you guys, did you guys come up with that sound together or was that sort of an individual sort of thing on your composer alone? Yeah, our composer is Ariel Marks, um, who's absolutely brilliant. You might know her work from Shiva Baby or um, Candy, this TV series. Um, she and I are old friends and so, before she was officially on the payroll, we've been talking about this this movie for years. So she would send me these palette tests, these sort of ideas of what I thought the score was, and I would send her electronic artists, and we would sort of try to find this together. But something that was sort of a, a, a rule we made for ourselves was that the movie needed to sound synthetic and organic. Mm. So essentially what she did was record me, my mother, and the three-year-old daughter of our sound mixer making different sounds and turned our voices into a synth score, uh, which, is, which is the orchestration that you hear in the movie. And, and we really wanted it to feel at times very physical and at times very digital. Mm. Now, do you think Aaron, Marin Island's, Marin Ireland's character is doing something right by bringing this little girl back to life, or is she just like another Victor Frankenstein who's... <laughs> playing with life but she doesn't really know what she's doing because she's thinking more about science than you know actual human connection yeah i mean i think marin's character is um we talked a lot about her moral code when when i was working with the actor uh to develop this role you know i think she has a lot of blind spots but unlike victor i think her her motivations are a little more pure i think mm -hmm. she essentially really does want to help people She's a vegan, she abhors suffering, she's really trying to, um, she's trying to leave her mark on the world, which, which could be megalomaniacal, but I think she genuinely believes that she's making the world a better place. Right, yeah, yeah, it does sort of seem like that. 
And what made you come up with this story of someone reanimating the corpse of a deceased girl to fill the role of a mother? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I read Frankenstein when I was a little, I mean, a kid, you know. Um, and before that point, all of the novels and things I had read by women were, were very much like petticoat dramas about marriage and I couldn't relate to them at all and then I read Frankenstein and I was like holy shit a woman wrote this and yeah. <laughs> so like immediately dug into Mary Shelley and her life and it seemed to me obvious the idea that the doctor was a stand-in for herself and and what would it be like if she were a woman and what would it be like if she wanted to create something with her mind but needed to reckon with her body in order to do it so it came from, I mean, the child element came practically. I was like, if you're working in a morgue, you could probably only fit babies or children home in your suitcase without, while avoiding detection. So, you know, that's where the child came from. And then immediately following is, you know, that mother's going to be looking for that child. And, and how, how is she going to enter into the story and interact with Frankenstein? So what do you think motivated Marin's character to bring a child back to life? Is it because she couldn't conceive? Because they kind of had that one scene where she, she was asking, you know, what when because she took that. Oh, I don't want to give one part away. There's oh, that's part. OK. I mean, she can conceive until yeah. until a certain point in the film. So. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's not what motivated her. But, you know, I think one of the shades in the movie that we allude to, but don't go too deeply into is is her mother's death. And and I think, you know, for any of us, when we watch a loved one get sick and wither and die, there is that sense of helplessness that you want to take care of that person. And, and yet you're limited by nature in terms of what you can do for them. And so I think watching that happen to her mother and being unable to cure it or solve it made her angry. Mm -hmm. um, and I think ultimately that fueled her passion for her experiments. Right. If you had the power to bring back someone, would you would you do it? Would you do a Frankenstein experiment if you had the <laughs> knowledge of the warehouse <laughs> or know-how? Probably. <laughs> I, I mean, probably shouldn't, but probably. I think yeah. I'd be very curious I, about. I'd too. <laughs> I, I, I would do it too because, I mean, what, what have I got to lose? Am I going to go to hell if I do it? Who knows? <laughs> do you think there was any hesitation from Julia to bring her child back into her life because, you know, it's not really her daughter, or is it? Oh, Celie, no. Judy's character, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's a question that I want to leave open for the audience. You know, I did speak specifically with Judy and with AJ, the, the young girl who plays Leela, who I think does a really brilliant job, um, in terms of how much of her is really there at any given time, you know, the old Leela. Um, but I think for for Judy, it's ambiguous, and she chooses to believe what she wants to believe most, which is that her daughter is is back and fully capable of fully coming back. Right, right. Well, uh, if there's anything else you want to come out with before we uh, wrap up, is there anything else you want to um, say about it? <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it's going to be this uh, birth rebirth is going to be coming to theaters in August, and will be on Shutter by Halloween. So um, please Ooh. check it out if you're interested, and I hope you in enjoy. Might not be the right word, but I hope you uh, experience this film. Right, right. Well, some might find it enjoyable, but it's, <laughs> it's not enjoyable horror. It's not. It's not Chucky killing people. But no, thank you so much for doing this, Laura Moss, and uh, guys, check out Birth Rebirth when it comes out in August. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, that's the episode. I'd like to thank Matt Johnson for coming on and talking about BlackBerry. If you'd like to see BlackBerry, you can see it in theaters on May 12th. And also, I'd like to thank Laura Moss, director of Birth Slash Rebirth, which will be coming out in theaters in August and on Shutter in October, sometime around Halloween, she said. So, anyways, guys, if you liked what you listened to, please feel free to subscribe. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at YPA Reviews. If you're wondering what that YPA stands for, it's you'll probably agree. So again, you can find me on all these platforms at YPA Reviews. Thanks a lot, guys, and I'll see you at the movies. Bye-bye.